Hello and welcome back to the Building HVAC Science Podcast. We're trying to make a podcast that helps create better, more knowledgeable HVAC and building performance technicians by helping the two professions better understand each other with the ultimate goal of making customers happy in the homes they live in and the buildings they work in. Today's a focus on HVAC. We had a great time. Eric and I had a great time interviewing the man behind the brand, Love to HVAC. If you haven't realized who this is, you will know by the end of this podcast who it is. It is Ty Brenneman, and his passion for all things HVAC education certainly comes through in every conversation and interaction we've ever had with him. He has a lot of patience, and this tiny, small pointer finger thing, watch the videos, you'll understand that, that helped to explain and highlight whatever he is teaching, topic he is teaching at the moment. He stresses use of tools and measurements and your brain to help teach the invisible. He encourages new instructors to go for it and be willing to make mistakes, but be observant and learn from them. Ty also believes firmly teaching helps you become a better person and a better manager, and you'll learn more about your topic when you teach, and I can wholeheartedly agree with that. You'll often find Ty in other podcasts, live streams, conferences, and at the HVAC, our school symposium. This past year, he gave a great session on educating and training Generation Z. There's a link to that in the show notes. Also got links to his general YouTube channel, his website, Facebook, Twitter, slash X, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Okay, enough of me talking. Let's get to Ty Brenneman and tying it all together, the who's, what's, and why's of Ty. Welcome back to the Building HVAC Science Podcast. I am your co-host, Eric Kaiser, and virtually next to me, Bill Spone, and the one, the only, the great Ty Brannaman. Hello, everybody. And Ty's hand. (laughs) (laughs) So if you don't know Ty, he has a channel called Love to HVAC, and his hand features in a lot of videos. Where can everybody find you at, Ty, real quick, just to kick this off with? Oh, just do the L of E, the number two HVAC, and you'll find me on most platforms. It's the uh, easiest thing. It's much simpler than my very long, complicated name. (laughs) (laughs) Gotcha. Well, that's awesome. So I met Ty, I think, through the HVAC school, maybe three, four years ago. Uh, Even before that. Before that? Educators Conference? Yes. This was one of the early ones. I think it was the first time they were in the South Point Casino. And you were given a topic on airflow and testing airflow and doing all of the transversing. And I thought that I was pretty good at airflow. I thought I had it down. And then I go to your class and realize I had to start over from zero. And I was just so amazed in your class how you had all this information I didn't know about. And so I knew you way before you knew me. You inspired me to go a whole nother level. And it was absolutely awesome. Well, thank you for that compliment. And that brings to mind like the way training delivery has changed over the course of my career, especially to what we're actually we're doing right now. This is a form of training of education where we're going to get into some topics today. For me, it started out like I started out there were power foils, overhead transparencies. Then it moved to PowerPoints and then projectors and now streaming presentations and the whole lot of things. At what point did you engage in HVAC education? I don't know. I was always working with training somebody. Well, not always, but 
I remember there would be people out of school and they would put them with me to show them how to do stuff. And so I'd be asking them all kinds of things that I didn't know. And then I was showing them how to actually do the actual work that's going to be done. So I've always been interested about the hows and the whys and then just helping other people. And it just turned from there to being service managers. And then when I formally got an HVAC education was in Miami and a friend of mine, she was like, Everywhere we go, you look at ductwork and you talk about air conditioning and you talk about the weather and the humidity and all this stuff all the time. Why don't you go apply for the school because they need somebody? And I said, well, I'm not smart enough for that. And she goes, I, I don't care. You love this stuff so much. This is what you need to be doing. She convinced me to go and apply and then the rest is history. So before that, were you working in a mechanical field or what? Oh, yeah. When I went to apply for that job, They'd give me a tour, put the application in, and then they called me a few weeks later, and I had just come working on the top of a walk-in freezer. And they said, can you come by after work? So I said, yeah, sure. So I swung by on the way home, and I was dirty. All the wonderful grease from walk-in freezers and working there in Miami. And they said, hey, here, start filling out the application. We're going to hire you. I was like, oh, great. And then they said, have you taken a tour? I said, oh, yeah, I've took the tour. They said, well, here, come with us anyways. You have some time, right? I said, yeah. They brought me over, they opened the classroom door and said, hey, everybody. They asked me, they said, Ty, how do you say your name? I said, it's Ty Brandeman. They said, oh, that's too complicated. We're going to call you Mr. Ty. So they opened the door and they said, hey, everybody, this is your new teacher, Mr. Ty. They handed me the book, tapped me on the shoulder, said, you're going to be great. Good luck. And then they walked out. And so I thought I was filling out the application and I had a whole entire class just staring at me. It was probably the best way to start because I think I would have been too scared to walk in front of a class otherwise. But yeah, they just said, asked them what they were talking about. They said heat pumps. And so I said, all right, so just set the book down here. Let's just talk about heat pumps. And then that night I wouldn't have to read a bunch of other stuff to see what we're supposed to be doing. And then every spare chance I had, I was learning from whoever I could and I was still working in the field. So it was long, long nights, but nothing is like that first class, those faces and they didn't know what was happening. I didn't know what was going on, but you couldn't show it. And it was absolutely incredible. Wow. That's quite a story. Nothing like throwing you right into the frying pan, huh? It was quite the experience, yeah. <laughs> so fast forward to today, are you an independent trainer or what's your gig now? Yeah, that's a great question. I'm hard to fit in categories sometimes. So independent trainer, I like that one. That sounds good. I do that consulting and make content. I do some factory training for some companies where I'll go out and do the training for them on contracts. Travel. I like to stop and visit schools when we can. If a supplier says, hey, can you come do a training class? Then I'm all over that. I try to go to the conferences. I still work in the field. So just yesterday, I was actually in an attic most of the day. And I tell you, those attics are getting hotter and harder every year. But I think it's still relevant to make sure that we still see how this stuff applies. And then, yeah, just education to lots of volunteer work, helping people and help answering questions and getting people motivated to get in the trades. Yeah, you know, whatever it takes to do just enough to make a living and everything I can to help other people. And then in between, we like to travel and see as much of this world and meet as much people as we can. That's quite a life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And your volunteerism showed two years ago at the HVAC school. I pulled in with the rental car to pick up Eric and Billy, Eric Preston and Billy. and came in on rolled in on a flat tire and before I knew it was happening you were underneath it changing it. Anybody would have done that. That's nothing special. I think Ty probably has experience changing tires as much time as he spends driving around the desert. Oh my wife and I we did off-road rescue. We were part of an organization called Snore, Southern Nevada Off-Road Rescue. And I had a lot of gear in my truck anyways because I go remote solo, which you're not supposed to do. So you have to be prepared for anything. So I had everything I needed with me and then I started running into people that needed help. 
And then so I joined up with Snore because they had a lot of training going on where I could learn more about the hows and whys. And we started doing really complex stuff like pulling cars off the side of a, a mountain or ones that are about to roll down and really complex where people were stuck super deep and we had to hook several rigs together. So it was really cool being a part of a, a team recovering these really unique scenarios and then the formality of it. So learning about pulleys and the ropes and all these little different details. So we were always helping people, my wife and I. And then as we travel around, we always meet people that are broken down and scared. And it's great because if they speak Spanish and they're nervous, my wife will start talking to them and calming them down and I'll start getting everything out and fix the tires. So by the time they know what's happening, their tires already fixed. And it's somebody's, you're the side of the road, you're vulnerable and these people stop and you don't know what's going to happen. My wife and I make a pretty good team. And then when we're doing other really complex recoveries, I'll be talking to them, trying to get the story of what happened, and she'll be getting all the gear out, all the recovery gear and ropes and everything so that we can start the recovery. So we make a pretty cool team. That's a lot of fun to see what Ty does. And if you follow him around on social media much, you'll probably get to see some pictures of some of his adventures, which are amazing. I got to say, some of the night photography that you do out in the desert is just fantastic. I love the night photography, just laying out, just watching the stars. And that's what I started taking the pictures for, because I wanted to figure out how can I capture this moment? I want to share. And you, no matter how good your pictures are, you, you can't capture the whole moment. So I, I just want to capture a piece of that and share it with other people. So I used to do all my travels. I kept it all pretty close to just myself. But I started sharing my photography just because... Other people enjoy that too. They get to see that there's more to the world than their current problems, or there's more to the world than what's going on in the news. So I feel like the photography is two parts. One, I can share just a little glimpse of that with other people. And the second part is when I'm looking through a lens, it helps me focus on that one moment. Because with ADHD, we're looking at like everything all the time, all the stuff going on. When you look through the lens of a camera, it focuses you down to one specific area. And you can just really have an appreciation for exactly what you're looking at. And I just enjoy that. That's a really cool way to deal with things. You offer some videos on your site, like how to get started in HVAC. Talk about what prompted you to do that. I'd worked for multiple for-profit schools, and that's a whole other topic. But I was finding that we need we have more and more digital work out. So a lot of schools were charging people to go to school, and they're having people watch videos. And I thought, well, if we're going to charge people for free videos, why don't I just make some videos directly to help people out? Because I have a lot of people that just they want to understand that next thing, and they don't have any good resource. And now there's lots of really good resources we have which is awesome to get to work together with people. But I did the playlist of Learn HVAC from the beginning. So if somebody really wants to learn on their own without having to go to college or get a $20,000 debt, they can go in and start learning these basics and learning how. And then what I found is a lot of people that have experience are like, hey, these are great because they never understood that. Like me, a lot of people didn't go to school for this and they didn't have a path to be able to show them what's happening, what's going on. So I started doing the videos and getting more and more feedback. And now the big thing is these little short videos. And so now I'm doing little, trying to get a concept down within a minute and a half or two minutes is quite difficult, but I'm adapting, figuring out how to do it. And it's getting people interested and sometimes causes arguments because a lot of times we rely on our experience instead of what's actually happening or the bigger picture that's going on that we don't see. But I figure it's communication. And as long as people get to see it and understand it, even if they don't like it at first, they're like, that's not true. If they get to see it in person and digest that information, hopefully it'll build some curiosity that later they can plant a seed that later they'll start wanting to understand that bigger picture. So dealing with social media can be challenging because there's a lot of people and a lot of egos on there. 
And that's okay. It's just I've learned to limit myself and I learned to just block people that want to argue because I'll get into an argument and then I realize this is a complete waste of time. And I just let's just for everybody's sake, let's block them. And sometimes my wife will tell me she'll see me pacing back and forth. She goes, are you explaining something in detail? Are you arguing? I'm like, well, I'm arguing. She goes, just stop. I'm like, but I can prove this point. She goes, why? And so you're right. You're right. I just block them. Not to be mean, it's like for both people's benefits, because I'm not getting anywhere. They're obviously on an emotional attachment, so there's no point in keep going. So let's just block it and move on. But that's okay. That's part of the human side. If I can plant that seed, or maybe later they'll be thinking about that, or they're so irritated, like, I'm going to look this up. And ideally, they'll learn. And that's the whole ultimate goal. So whether people are excited about learning or they're mad about learning, hey, as long as we're learning and moving forward, that's great. That's neat because I don't know if you remember, Ty, that was one of the first interactions you and I had was actually a disagreement on a social media post. And we ended up taking it offline. We discussed it. We came to an agreement and we were like, hey, this is cool. Okay, we're both on the same page now and we move on. And and now we're great friends. Some of my best friends we've had some big arguments with. And yeah, I remember that. And it's so great to have. I've grown so much over the years. These aren't things that just come natural. I've had to learn the hard way. It's like when I first got to really talk with Brian, it was over a disagreement. And now I don't think there's anything that we disagree about. And I love talking with Eric because there'll be things you'll have a different perspective on. And sometimes I highly disagree with your perspective. And you sometimes even disagree with it also. But it's important to say, hey, let's look at the bigger picture. Let's look at it from another point of view. And I think we all forget that. And that's why I love having friends like this that are so important because you know so much stuff, obviously. Your wife knows so much stuff. She's always teaching me something new. But you have that other perspective that sometimes I don't want to hear, but I need to hear it. And then you also are able to tell me, hey, Ty, I think you're going a little bit overboard with this. I think you should back down. I'm like, you're exactly right. And we need people in our lives like that. Yeah, sometimes it hurts to hear those things a little bit when we first hear them. But at times, it's very necessary because much like you, my wife will see me doing something and then she'll be like, what are you doing? Why are you over there with a frown on your face just glaring at your phone? (laughs) Just make sure you have ice cream around to put on that slice of humble pie when you got to eat it. That's right. Yes. Plenty of ice cream for the humble pie, indeed. So I'm looking at your YouTube channel. You have 37,000 plus subscribers. Oh, I didn't know it was up to that. That is pretty awesome. I mean, 324 videos. That's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. It is really a lot. Anything come out of the fact you became an influencer or a presenter that changed your course or your what you're doing? Well, I certainly am not an influencer of any means, but hopefully... I can get people to see that bigger picture. I so don't say I'm an influencer. I try hard not to be an influencer, but I've had some really awesome people help me be better with that because that's something that I have no experience with. And Brian Orr is a great person to come through and he'll give me advice. And Chris Stevens, he'll come in and say, hey, Ty, I think you should look at doing it this way. And then my friend Craig with AC Service Tech, he was absolutely awesome. He came through and had an intervention with me because I wanted all my videos, I had them non-monetized because I just wanted to be about pure education. And he set me down and was like, okay, we're friends and we're going to have to have an uncomfortable conversation. And so he convinced me to turn monetization on. He goes, you don't have to change anything, but just do this one thing for me. It's going to benefit you later. 
And I am so glad I did because there's been times that, that little bit of money coming from YouTube has made the difference between if we were going to eat or not. Like sometimes things get tight. And so I am so thankful for him. And he gives me advice without telling me what to do. It's like, look, do however you want to do it. But I think this would help you and it would help your audience. And that helps me understand how that bigger picture works. So he has just been, and he's always been such a great friend. But now, I mean, he's such a mentor on things. And I just, I can't thank him enough. It's just great to have people like that in your corner, right? Yeah, absolutely. And make sure the people look at your channel. You have stuff both on Craig's channel and yours, or is it, where would you find it? We do stuff together. We did some question and answer. I just spent a week and a half with him doing videos together and we taught some classes together. So he put some of that stuff on. I write some things about teaching that we're working on a little, a lot of instructors. I say, hey, how can I do better? So we've been working on some things together for that. So we're independent our sites, but our goal is the same like this to help people understand, help people learn and grow. And sometimes people will come from Craig to my channel and be like, hey, I never understood it that way before. And other times people go over to, to Craig's video like, man, I finally get it. I've been watching Ty's videos, but this makes more sense. Or the same thing with Brian or Chris. And I think it's important that we don't just have one channel of information, that we see it from multiple viewpoints. And that's what really makes us better. Allison Bales, I love reading what he writes and how he writes stuff. But also one of the other groups like the Grapevine and seeing the communication, the live application of that and how people view it differently. They'll take the same information. There'll be three different viewpoints of that. And I was like, how can that be different viewpoints? It's clearly this. But once you start seeing how people apply it, it's like, OK, well, that makes sense. I can see a little bigger picture. So I think it's important to not just have one source of information, have multiple sources, even if you don't like that person. And it's okay because some people are like, hey, you talk too fast or your voice is annoying. I'm like, yeah, I know, but I still have some stuff that you that might help. <laughs> <laughs> you also do some neat things with researching HVAC history, I'll call it. You've done a couple things like that, some obscure stuff that I'd never heard of. Do you want, want to talk a little bit about that, share with the audience? My history teacher kept telling us that history is the foundation of what we have now, and history often repeats itself. And I'll go, yeah, yeah, that's fine. Let me get my grade. And then as I get older and get into traveling and seeing stuff, I thought, wow, that is so true. So much of the stuff we do now, we're like, well, this new way, this new thing. And I'm finding that it's not new. We just got away from it. So I started collecting. I had some old books from my grandfather, but I started getting some more. And I started finding that all of these new things that we're doing, they're not new. They've been around. And a lot of the old tools that we had still did these things. They were just analog versions. I got an old micron gauge that's an analog micron gauge. And we still did vacuum way back in the 70s and the 50s. It was not new. We just got into bad habits. And now we're trying to correct that. People are all upset about it. So it's interesting how that history played. And then, of course, the people that worked to get here, like John Gorey, he was a doctor, physician, and he did air conditioning or refrigeration before Willis Carey ever came along. And you get to go and see where that actually happened and see it in place. And I've been reading about Willis Carrier and how using beer and ice for cooling had a huge part. A lot of research went into that. I've been reading a ton about history, and I'm going to do a whole segment on history. I'm just trying to find the way to deliver it. I've recorded probably about 80 hours of history footage, but I just don't like how it goes. So I'm trying to figure a way to make it less history class and more interactive. So anytime that we go somewhere and we get to see a piece of history, we do it. In the desert, we went to one of the old forts where it was well known in history, but they had an ice machine there. So everybody's in the fort asking for all this history. And I'm asking for history about this ice machine they had. And the lady's like, 
nobody's ever asked that before. How did you even know about that? So I saw the plaque out there. So she went and looked up the information and we learned about like the first one failed and there was a problem with it and like all these little different things about it. So Mike Mayberry is another guy that he loves about the history and how things come together. So all that stuff in the past is really the science of it doesn't change, right? I mean, it's the same science, the same electricity. It's just we figure out ways to modify it or going back to the original reasons. What do you think's going to be next for Ty? What's going on next? Oh, I'm behind on videos. I have this huge feeling that I have. Who's your boss that's telling you you're behind? In my head. (laughs) I am a very religious person, not religious, spiritual person. And I feel like I was called to do the videos. And I know that may be strange for a lot of people. But I've been fighting doing the videos the whole time. And I have people coming to me telling me I need to do these things. So every time I get off track and I don't make a video, I feel this huge guilt that I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And then that changes things. There's a lot of things I can do that are a lot easier than this that make a lot more money and that makes a much happier life. And I keep getting sidetracked that maybe I should just go do that. And then I get this just really overwhelming feeling of guilt that I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. So I got to get these videos done, at least this baseline done of the basics and the science behind it. And then I can go do some more traveling, some more other fun stuff. But right now, my biggest thing is, yeah, I got to get the basics of HVAC done, the base video done. And then I can start doing more of the fun stuff that I really want to go do, which don't get me wrong. The education side's fun. It's just when I can't see the class, I can't see the person. I can't see it in their eyes. You're just doing a video and you don't know if it's really helping somebody or not. It can be a little bit more difficult. That's an amazing insight for a lot of us that like to go in front of a classroom and like to see people. It really is. It has been very different coming electronically and making electronic delivery as opposed to in-person delivery. I ask every guest to come up with a topic sentence or phrase. And yours was teaching what's invisible. And I think I just heard a little twist on that, and that's the reception of what you teach is really invisible. You're not sure if people are, if it's coming across, and that's your challenge. So how do you close that gap when you're doing, like Eric mentioned, remote training so much? How do you know it's landing correctly? That's the most challenging thing is getting that feedback, because some of your best, most loyal viewers that are really interested for the right reasons won't comment or won't make the like of video, but you don't see that. All you really see is the people complaining. So sometimes it obscures and you get an improper view of reality of what's really happening. So when I go to a conference and I get people that, and it's super uncomfortable because I don't know how to handle that when people say, oh, I love your videos. I'm just not used to, I don't know what to say. But when they say something like, hey, this has helped me, or I've been able to use your videos to help other people, Like that means so much. And that's the encouragement that keeps me going. Or somebody will send me an email or write a a comment like, man, I really appreciate. I've never understood this before. I finally get this. So those are the things that keep me, give me that boost of energy, that self-confidence I need to, okay, let's do another video. Let's do another video. But it is difficult because you don't see, like in a classroom, I see it in their eye. They don't have to say anything. I can see it in their eye when they get a concept. I can see their body language, how they move. I can get it when they get it or if they're interested in it. And I can see if it's not interesting, how to, you know, okay, let's change it. Let's completely change course and let's get the class interactive and woken up. But online, yeah, you you don't know that. And Craig has been great. He's figured out how to balance that. And I don't know how to do that for sure yet. But I figure as long as I'm going places and I meet people that say, thank you, that helped me, 
even though it's uncomfortable for me to accept compliments, but when people say it's helping them, then that is what's important for me. I think social media is a lot faster because you can put a little TikTok, so you can put a little video out and you know instantly whether it does good or bad. So YouTube's a long-term plan and social media like, like TikToks is quick. So you'll put a video out and you'll get anywhere from 200 views or you'll get 30,000 views in a few days. So it's either you know if it worked or not. But the YouTube's there's better information, longer information, but it's hard to get that feedback. And I sometimes struggle with that, but you're right. It is the invisible side that I have trouble seeing sometimes. So what do you have any suggestions for instructors? Because I see some new instructors coming into the industry now, and a lot of them are looking for feedback. They're afraid of standing up in a classroom. And you helped me with a lot of things in this. One time when I was going into a classroom and I was getting into something, I had no idea what I was doing. And the presentation part wasn't so much. It was a lot of the student management. But what do you have to say for new instructors going in or somebody that wants to try to do that and help? in the industry where they can. Lots of rest because you're going to need a lot of patience and go for it because you're going to make mistakes. I still make mistakes and that's okay. We learn from our mistakes just like the students are learn from their mistakes. So be okay with them making mistakes as well as you're going to be making mistakes and then do it because you're going to learn more than you ever teach. You're going to have to answer questions and go to a deeper level to be able to explain it. And when you go to that deeper level, you're going to have these aha moments about a call from years ago that finally you're explaining something to somebody and you have this aha moment yourself of, and that explains Mrs. Jones house from six years ago. I had this problem and never connected the two. So you learn so much more than you teach about what we do, but even more important, you learn more about people because you have a classroom full of people. And a lot of times the rule is nobody can fail. Everybody has to pass. So instead of trying to make everybody a good tech, you try to figure out how to make everybody a little bit better, how to maybe this person's a top-notch student, how to get them to have communication skills, whereas you have another one that you figure out how can you get them to open up or somebody else, how to have a good handshake. Some people just, that's some of the biggest thing they need in life. Look somebody in the eye and have a good handshake. You learn that it's more than just class, that when you have a student coming through and you're having all these life problems and what you're doing actually literally will save their life. I mean, I've had phone calls at three in the morning about some really negative points that a student's in. And you get to see that what we do, as much as I love the mechanics and the technical side of what we do, it's really about students' lives. And you learn about people. You learn about understanding differences in people and how to handle conflicts and different mindsets. And it opened you up to grow. Because I know that I grew up in a very rural area that I thought everybody thought alike. And then as I travel, I see that there's all these different mindsets and viewpoints, and it's okay to be have somebody have a different viewpoint. But that's the great thing about classroom stuff is you have all these people with all these different mindsets, and they think red is better than blue, and you have to be able to connect with them, even though you may be entirely purple, and you got to figure out how to connect with somebody else to get them to be one step further. Not to be a super tech, just to get them to be one step further. And if you can get them to improve and they see that improvement, Let's get them to improve more. And that's one of the things I hate about teaching was having to give grades. I didn't mind putting things on paper like, hey, we need to improve on this. But I hated a grade because it puts everybody in the same level and it's just not possible. Some of the students that have the worst grades are some of the best students in the field. That's the hardest thing I had was actually putting a grade on. So I've learned that when I had to give a student a grade that I knew that they were better at, I would just tell them that. Look, I know that you are better than this. I know in that lab, you can do this better than anybody else. So while you are acing it out there, I want you to help some other people 
do the lab stuff and I want you to work with them. And I know that we can get this point up better. And you just learn how to manage people. I wish I would have taught before I did management because I felt like I was a horrible manager after teaching. I think it just helps you be a better person. That was something that just popped into my mind as you were talking about with management. But my thought went also to customer service as a HVAC technicians in the field. We're going into buildings, into homes. We're dealing with our customers. We're serving our customers. Do you feel that there's a correlation between being somebody that's good at customer service and being a good instructor and dealing with all the problems like you just mentioned? That's a good question. I don't know the answer because I was pretty good with customer service because my whole thing was let's fix the mechanical so that we can take care of that customer. So my ultimate goal is always about that customer. And I've always had customers that had all kinds of crazy lifestyles. And I think that is important. That just comes from understanding people. It's crazy how we'll go to these customers and all of our customers are different. And we go to the customers, we can serve them and we can help them. But then when it comes to our own trade that we like to lock into this, hey, I'm right, you're wrong, and it has to be this way. But we're so open to helping other all of our customers. Let's be open to helping especially new people coming in the trade and be like, hey, it's okay that you vote different than me, that you like a different football team, that you have a different religion. It's okay. That's fine. Let's work together on our ultimate goal of air conditioning refrigeration because the science behind it is going to be the same regardless of what somebody's personal feelings or viewpoint is. Interesting. You're traveling, you're teaching randomly. What else do you like to do in life? What are some of your other thought processes or hobbies in life other than teaching and traveling? That about sums it up. Like my wife, she's amazing. I don't know how I lived so long without her because she's just absolutely incredible. And she gave up her whole life in Vegas to go travel with me. And she's loving it. She absolutely loves it. So we'll be on the road, sleeping in the tents or in the back of the car. And it'll be rainy sometimes or super hot sometimes. And we'll be having ramen or she'll, we have the little pump up shower that we heat up on a stove. And so she's out there with me. And she doesn't do the night photography. She'll go to bed. So I'll do that by myself. But she's just so great because even if I go to some place I've already been to, I love going someplace with her because I get to see her passion for it. And for the first time, and there's been some places I've taken, I was like, you're going to love this place. And she'll look at it and go, eh. I'm like, what do you mean? Like, this is amazing. And then we'll go to something else. Like, okay, so we're going to drive by here. I just want you to see it. And she's like, no, no, no. This is really cool. Let's stay here for a few days. I'm like, here? Like, this is nothing. And so it's really cool seeing her viewpoint of it and seeing it for the first time through somebody else's eyes. That's just great. And then the people that we meet. I'm an introvert. So I love to be out in the desert away from people. If I'm in a big conference, I have to go spend some time alone to recharge. But when we go and meet people, whether it's somebody on the side of the road or somebody at a gas station or friends in the HVAC industry, and we just get to go hang out with them in their habitat where they are and see how they live and what they find important. We went to New Orleans and Chris Dunner took us out and showed us all around. It's just, there's been so many stories like that of people that just, hey, come stay with us or come camp in our backyard or, hey, you got to stay at this one place. And it's really cool to just have a glimpse into somebody else's environment. So what are your next conferences where people could see you live so they could give you that feedback that says, this helped me, you helped me, I helped others. We want to get more of that into you. So where are you going to be hanging for the next few months or year? So I'm going to be in Indianapolis in October. I'm going to be up there near Eric. That's going to be for the ACCA conference. I can't remember the name of the exact conference. 
And then I'm going to be at the PHCC, I think. No, it's ACCA, A-C-C-A. Oh, A-C-C-A, right, yeah, yeah. I have a hard time keeping up with all of the acronyms and names. And then after that, it's going to be Brian Orr's event in Florida. That's my favorite event because it's just so genuine and true. And there's all these people that are so much smarter than me and are having these conversations. And sometimes these like heated arguments. And I get to see these two different viewpoints and people. And then after that, you see them just go and have a, have dinner and have drinks. And it's like, man, just before you thought it was about to come to blows because they're so passionate about their viewpoints. I love that conference so much. And then I'll be in Las Vegas in, I think, March for the HVAC Educators Conference. And that one helped me so much on the education side. And then now it's cool because I get to take some of what I've learned and some of the tricks and give back to other people. So those are the only ones. We're probably not going to make the one in Chicago, the big one. can't remember the name of it. AHR Expo. Yeah. AHR Expo. Yeah. We probably won't be able to make that. It's just, it's too far away and just logistics and finances. We just not going to be able to do all of them, but those are my three that we have on our top priority. I'm guessing you're probably presenting at the symposium and the Las Vegas conference. Are you also presenting at ACCA? Yes. I'll be presenting it at all three of those. Yep. Okay. I'll try to find the links and put them in the show notes so people can get a little bit of background on that. We'll take care of you there. Actually, I haven't even submitted mine to Brian's yet, so hopefully there's still a spot there. <laughs> I'm sure he'll let me in. Brian's event is always a good time this year down in Florida, so I'm also looking forward to that one again this year. It's probably, it's definitely one of the top events that we attend every year. And for anybody listening, look up uh, HVACR Symposium or the HVAC School or HVAC School channel for more information on that. I'm pretty sure the in-person tickets are sold out, but uh, I think there's still virtual tickets available. It's crazy. They sell out months in advance this far. I think they sold out in like two days or something like that. Wow, that's great. I want to go to one of the building science ones because that is so cool. I mean, there's so many people. I love seeing the all the stories and the pictures of everybody. And that's been like so interesting, the building science, because there's just so many little details. And it's everything that we teach in HVAC just applied to the house, like all the science behind it. And there's so many brilliant people in that industry and seeing it grow now, like there's more and more people that are promoting it and talking about it and solving problems. And it's just super exciting. Yeah, I agree. Tying the building science together with HVAC is pretty much the ultimate combination for indoor environment control, indoor comfort control, really optimizing all of our customers' experiences with their indoor spaces. And it's so important. I wish I had known about it way sooner in my career, but I'm glad I figured out and didn't end up keeping my head stuck too far in the sand for all of it. Oh, that was sand, what your head was stuck in? <laughs> something. <laughs> Mud, sand. Sorry, it looked like something else to me. <laughs> no, just kidding. Totally just kidding. You never know. <laughs> you never know. Any closing thoughts for our listeners on the podcast, and in this case, a video cast, too? We have to have an appearance of the hand. So we got the little hand for the small things that we see. And we got the big pointer for the other things. And of course, you got to have the paw. For all the dog lovers out there, right? That's right. And then sometimes, you know, you got to remember the thumbs up and you got to have the eraser pointer because that's cool. And then sometimes you need a little piece in your life. So, <laughs> <laughs> Or you need to point out like split phase or something like that. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. And then you got the fist bump. All those fills. <laughs> you got quite the collection going on. Well, that's from putting the last ones because you played around with rotating equipment, right? 
Yeah, there you go. That's right. <laughs> this wasn't like predestined here. He just must have these laid out on this table before him. I don't even want to know what that looks like. <laughs> I have a lot of shortcomings in life, so it's good to have a lot of good hands when you need them. <laughs> we got to hand it to you, Ty. We really have to hand it to you today. So I started to say any closing thoughts you have for listeners. Yes. So much of what we do is invisible, whether it be the air, humidity, moisture, refrigerant, electricity, everything we work with is invisible. So when we're teaching this, sometimes we're on a different level than somebody else. And there's always somebody else on a different level than us. So we have to remember that it's going to sometimes be challenging for us to understand some of the concepts because it's invisible, but also when we're explaining to other people to have that patience so that they can understand it as well. And the biggest thing is, as much as I love the science, what we do, the air and humidity and electricity and the motors and the refrigerant and all of this really cool stuff, it's the people that is what it's really all about. That's the one thing I think that we lose track of. So whether it's a customer or somebody you're working with, even if you're not an official trainer, you have somebody else that's looking up at you and there's always somebody watching you. And be mindful of that. And if somebody's curious, I know we have jobs to get done, we have stress, but try to be mindful of them and build that curiosity. Even if it's a customer's house and there's a kid there watching you, just take a moment to show them something cool about what we do. Because I think that's what we forget. We have our lives and our family and the bills and we have our goals we want to reach. But when you take a little bit of time to help somebody else learn something, to do something, to understand something, I think it makes the world a better place for all of us. And everybody's saying, hey, what can we do to fix the trade? What can we do to fix the shortage? And everybody has these things and ideas. But ultimately, what can you do personally? Can you help somebody else explain it? Can you help somebody else understand it? Can you give somebody encouragement? Can you talk to somebody like they're important and whatever it is they're doing? Because ultimately they are. That is how we make a difference in this world. You're a natural man. Wise words from Ty Branneman. Excellent. Thanks for coming on this podcast today. Really appreciate it. Look forward to seeing you in person here at several of those events coming up this next year. I look forward to it. We get to go hang out with Eric. Yeah. <laughs> I am totally looking forward to hanging out with Ty and his little dog, Chica. Yes. And Perla. And Perla, too. <laughs> and Perla, yeah. Let's not forget Perla. <laughs> no, no. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks. really appreciate you tuning in to the Building HVAC Science podcast. I also host the Res Talk podcast, that's R-E-S-T-A-L-K, where we talk about the rapidly expanding world of home energy ratings and the peripheral topics. There's a lot of other great trade-related resources and influences out there, including the HVAC Grapevine, the Misfits of HVAC, HVAC Chicks, MeasureQuick, AC Service Tech, Oh, and watch, Ty has done a lot of work with Craig Migliaccio of AC Service Tech. Look for that, too. HomeDiagnosis.tv, HVACR videos, HVAC Overtime, Quality HVAC, Service Business Mastery, Tool Pros, HVAC Reefer Guy, Stephen Reardon, HVAC Shop Talk, and HVACR School, the HVACR School. If you want to reach out and get in touch, send an email to marketing at truetechtools.com. The Building HVAC Science Podcast is a production of True Tech Tools Limited. I'm a co-owner of True Tech, and the opinions voiced are those of my guests or myself, depending on who's speaking, of course. And if you're in the market for any tools or test instruments that we mention or allude to in the podcast, take a look at what True Tech Tools carries, T-R-U-T-E-C-H-T-O-O-L-S.com. You can use the offer code HVACBS for a nice discount. As always, I want to thank you for listening. 
and following us at the Building HVAC Science Podcast. Again, if you want to reach out, suggest a topic, give us feedback, leave a comment, marketing at truetechtools.com. Thank you for listening again. We hope to have you back soon and have a wonderful day. Bye-bye.